everybody. Welcome back. You haven't heard from us in a week because we're scumbags, but today we're back. Woo woo. And last time we covered part one of Roy Albert DeMeo. We covered his early life, how he started to form his own crew, and how he was pretty much the go-to guy uh, to Gemini chop up and get rid of unwanted peoples. And uh, we left off where he kind of was uncontrollable within the Mafia. Um, doing his and, own thing. Yeah, going off doing his own thing. And we stopped short of him being uh, a made man. So that's where we're going to jump in today as we finish out part dos of Mr. DeMeo. Senor DeMeo. Look at you getting your Spanish on. I'm trying. So, DeMeo secured his induction into the Gambino family by forming an alliance with an Irish-American gang known as the Westies. So, the leader of a rival Irish gang, Mickey Spilani, was causing delays for the construction of the Jacob K. Javits Convention Center, much to the frustration of the Gambino boss, Paul Castellano, who had a part in the project. After the unsolved murder of Spilani in May of 1977, Gee, I wonder who did that. That's us. It just Hmm. disappeared. Westie's leader, James Coonan, assumed control of the Irish mob rackets on the west side of Manhattan. DeMeo, sensing an opportunity to create a vast source of income for the Gambino family, persuaded Gaggi to consider a partnership with the Westies. Shortly afterwards, Coonan and his second-in-command, Mickey Featherstone, were called to a meeting with Castellano, in which they agreed to become a de facto arm of the Gambino family and share 10% of all profits. In exchange, the Wessies would be privy to several lucrative union deals and take on murder contracts for the family. It was his pivotal role in the Westie gambino alliance that reportedly convinced Castellano to give DeMeo his button, or formally inducted into the family. DeMeo was made in mid-1977 for the death of Spilani and put in charge of handling all family business with the Westies. He was ordered to get permission before committing any murders and avoid drug dealing. Which is something that he pretty much did regularly. (laughs) Yeah, like he did not listen to those. He was murdering people, doing drugs, a lot of other crazy ass shit just because he could right and going back to like some of the union deals like they would get on like they would have people on crews that would be like in construction of like you were discussing the convention center and they would make a huge profit on that sometimes it would be from taking supplies from the site and offloading them somewhere else or whatever but usually like seeing a project through like that would secure them pretty large amounts of money hell yeah 
Um, anywho, uh, we know that DeMeo's crew was famous for selling uh, drugs, so they continued to sell large amounts of cocaine, marijuana, and a variety of narcotic pills. DeMeo also continued to commit unsanctioned killings, such as the 1977 double homicide of Jonathan Quinn, a car thief suspected of cooperating with law enforcement, and Cherie Golden, Quinn's 19-year-old girlfriend. DeMeo's crew dumped the bodies in locations where they would be discovered to serve as a warning against cooperation with authorities. So, as we can still see, DeMeo is uh, not deterred at all by being a made man, given the rules to abide by, and throwing them back in their face, because he's going to do his own thing. Yep, and the killings just continued. We have a Charles Ruby Stein, a 61-year-old Genovese Colombo associate, killed by DeMeo's crew member Danny Grillo and James Coonan. Grillo shot Stein six times, and his body was dismembered by members of the Westie gang. Then there was Jerome Hoffaker, who was shot and killed by Anthony Sinner and Joseph Testa for getting into a fight with Joey's brother, Dennis Testa, which is something so silly to be killed over, but what do I know? Then there's Daniel Conti, who was shot and killed by DeMeo and his brother-in-law, Peter LaFrosha, after concerns he would cooperate due to an investigation being opened into a failed hijacking attempt involving the DeMeo crew. Then John Costello, he was shot to death by Peter LaFrosha and Roy DeMeo after concerns he would cooperate with law enforcement into an illegal hijacking involving the DeMeo crew. I feel like that one kind of went hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then DeMeo and his crew murdered Edward Grillo, who had fallen into heavy debt with DeMeo, and he was believed to be becoming susceptible to police coercion. Grillo, who was dismembered and disposed of like many of the crew's murder victims, was the first known occurrence of internal crew discipline. Um, because we just said that Grillo was involved in, in some of the other movements. Yep. That the crews. So. Jeez. Then he moves on to Michael Mandolino and Nino Martini. Both were shot multiple times in the head by the DeMeo crew. Mandolino was accused of setting up Peter LaFroschka for robbery, and Martini had no involvement. So it was kind of like, just kill an innocent bystander. Yeah. And then there was Patrick Prisanzano, a Bonanno associate, um, son of the Bonanno family, Capo Angelo Prisanzano. He was beaten, shot, and killed. Then his throat was slit from ear to ear by Roy DeMeo after refusing to return stolen jewelry from an associate of DeMeo's. Um, followed by Michael DiCarlo, a Lucchesi associate. His death was ordered by a Lucchesi capo for raping a young boy. He was shot, stabbed, beaten, and sodomized by DeMeo. Joseph Gugliet. <laughs> okay. He was shot, stabbed, beaten, and sodomized by DeMeo, Joseph Guglielmo. <laughs> God damn it. He was shot, stabbed, beaten, and sodomized by DeMeo, Joseph Guglielmo, Danny Grillo, Henry Borelli, Anthony Sinner, and Joseph Testa. His body was then dismembered. Things, things have, like, seriously escalated. Yeah. Uh, so then they killed Kevin 
Gwelly, a 28-year-old cocaine dealer. He was shot and killed by the DeMeo crew member Chris Rosenberg after he attempted to scam him out of $10,000. Then there was Joseph Scorney, who was shot and bludgeoned with a sledgehammer by Vito Arena and Richard Denome after refusal to join DeMeo's auto theft operation. His body was put into a concrete-filled barrel and dumped off a pier. Arena was sentenced to 18 years in prison in 1985 for his murder. Insanity. Um, Danny Grillo, a DeMeo crew member, uh, was killed and dismembered by Chris Rosenberg and DeMeo, Anthony Center, and Joseph Testa for racking up gambling debts and acquiring a drug addiction. So this is the second Grillo. First was Eddie, now it's Danny's turn. Both the Grillo boys are down and out. and some sort of like inner crew disciplinary actions. Well, yeah, so, I mean, first of all, you got to pay your debts back, and you don't take you don't take the drugs that you're selling. I mean, nobody's safe though. Um, <clears throat> then there was Gary Gardine, who was shot and killed by Chris Rosenberg after he failed to pay him back from a marijuana deal. Gardine was found inside the trunk of his torched car. And you have Peter Waring, a cocaine dealer. He was shot, stabbed, and dismembered by DeMeo, Henry Borelli, and Paul Durall at the Gemini Lounge for being a suspected informant. Um, then there's Scott Cafaro, who was shot multiple times. The DeMeo crew hired by raped victims' family to kill Cafaro. So that person was probably a more sanctioned killing than, than the rest. Yeah. yeah. Um, Then there was Fred Todoro, who was shot by Roy DeMeo and stabbed by Chris Rosenberg after his nephew hired the DeMeo crew to murder him due to disputes over the building in which they duplicated pornographic films. Um, Because I forgot about that until just now. DeMeo wasn't like bestiality, porn, anything taboo that the mafia was not really too hip with. Yep. Um... Then there was Charles Padnick, William Serrano, and two other unnamed uh, people who were shot and killed by Chris Rosenberg during a 12-kilo cocaine deal. Rosenberg was shot in the head and arm, um, but somehow survives, of course. Um, Then there was Jamie Padnick, who was shot, killed, and dismembered at the Gemini Lounge by the DeMeo crew after he traveled to New York to investigate his father's disappearance. Because you can't go looking for your dad. <laughs> Apparently not. It's against the law. I don't know. Um, so the next member to be killed was Chris Rosenberg. DeMeo's right-hand man. Who had set up a drug deal with a Cuban man living in Florida. And then murdered him and his associates when they traveled to New York to complete the sale. The Cuban had connections with a Cuban drug cartel raising the possibility of violence between the Gambino family and the Cubans unless Rosenberg was dealt with. DeMeo was ordered to kill Rosenberg, but stalled for weeks. I mean, you gotta think, this was the first person that he, like, got in his own crew. Right. So during this period, DeMeo committed his most public murder. The victim was a college student with no criminal ties named Dominic Ragucci. He was paying for his tuition as a door-to-door salesman. DeMeo saw Ragucci parked outside his Massapeka Park, Long Island house and assumed he was a Cuban assassin. So he's got some paranoia going on here. Right. DeMeo and crew member Joseph Guglielmo 
pursued Raguchi in a seven-mile car chase on Route 110 through Amityville and Farmingdale, after which the student was shot to death by Demio. After returning home and gathering his family, Demio drove them out of New York and left them at a hotel for a short time. According to DeMeo's son, Albert, he started crying when he discovered he had murdered an innocent boy. You know, that's something you don't do. You don't kill an innocent. Yep. Uh, Gaji was infuriated by the murder of Raguchi and ordered DeMeo to kill Rosenberg before there were any other innocent victims. So on May 11th, 1979, Rosenberg reported to the Gemini Clubhouse for the crew's usual Friday night meeting. Shortly after his arrival, DeMeo quickly fired a single bullet into an unsuspected Rosenberg's head. The usual ice-cold DeMeo hesitated when the still-living Rosenberg managed to rise off the floor to one knee, but Anthony Center then moved in and finished him off with four shots to the head. Unlike Grillo, Rosenberg's body was not dismembered or made to disappear. The Cubans had demanded that his murder make the papers. DeMeo's men placed Rosenberg's body in his car and left it on the side of Cross Bay Boulevard, Queens, to be found. Albert DeMeo, his son, later recounted that Rosenberg's murder affected his father deeply, and that when DeMeo came home after the killing, he went into his study room and didn't come out for two days. Ouch. So, this one was was definitely a hard-hitting murder for him. Right. And, I mean, that leads us into the next chapter of DeMeo's life when his uh, business started to to have some troubles. So, DeMeo expanded his automotive business, creating the Empire Boulevard operation, which consisted of hundreds of stolen cars being shipped from the port of Newark, New Jersey, to Kuwait and Puerto Rico. DeMeo put together a group of five active partners in the operation, all of whom earned approximately $30,000 a week each in profit. I wish. I would. Oh, my God. God. It'd be amazing. I'd probably, like, shit myself to death, though, because I don't want to go to jail. But (laughs) aside from the active partners, other associates and crew members performed the actual stealing of the automobiles off the streets in New York. Among these associates was Vito Arena, like the gnome. Arena became closely involved with the DeMeo crew by the end of the 1970s. And in 1979, the scheme was nearly stopped by a legitimate car dealer who threatened to inform the police. He was murdered along with an uninvolved acquaintance before he could provide law enforcement authorities with information. Mind your business. Yeah, snitches get ditches. Get. <laughs> That's what you said oh, last okay. time. The snitches get put in ditches. Not the snitches get ditches. Anyway. <clears throat> so, in late 1979... DeMeo and Gaggi became involved in a conflict with James Ippolito and James Ippolito Jr., two May Gambino members in Gaggi's crew. They were the paternal uncle and cousin, respectively, of a corrupt former New York City Police Department detective, Louis Ippolito. His father was also a May member of the Gambino family. Again, like we said in part one, you know, there are dirty cops, like, you know, back in these heavy-hitting mafia days, like, they had turncoats that they could rely to give them any updates on where they might be in an investigation or to just kind of shove some money across the table to get them off their backs. Yeah, hush-hush um, money. Yeah. They're making a good, good hush money. 
So James Eppolito met with Paul Castellano and accused DeMeo and Gaggi of drug dealing, which carried the penalty of death. Castellano, to whom Gaggi was a close ally, sided against Eppolito in the situation and gave Gaggi permission to do what he pleased. He and DeMeo shot the two to death in Eppolito Jr.'s car en route to the Gemini Lounge on October 1, 1979. A witness driving by right as the shots were fired within the parking within the parked car managed to alert a nearby police officer who arrested Gaji after a shootout between the two that left Gaji with a bullet wound in his neck. Since DeMeo had split up with Gaji as they left the scene, he was not arrested or identified by this witness. Lucky. Gaji was charged with murder and the attempted murder of a police officer, but through jury tampering was convicted only of assault and given a 5-15 to 15 year sentence in federal prison. DeMeo murdered the witness shortly after Gaji's sentencing in March of 1980. Mm. Gotta close up all them ends. Exactly. And I wonder how they got the uh, jury to tamper around with that conviction. Right. Hmm. He's just hush to some pressure. Yeah, exactly. If you're making 30000 a week. Um, so the Empire Boulevard operation had continued to expand through 1979 and 1980 until the warehouse serving as its headquarters was raided by agents from the new branch of the FBI in the summer of 1980. The FBI had been surveilling the warehouse and some of the men unloading vehicles there and had shortly thereafter obtained a search warrant. Henry Borelli and Frederick Denome were arrested in May 1981 for their roles in the operation, but there was not enough evidence to arrest any of the other active partners. DeMeo ordered Borelli and Denome to plead guilty to the charges in hopes that it would stop any further investigations into his activities by the FBI or any other law enforcement agencies. Kind of sucks for them, but... That's what you do when you're yeah. in, like, these organized crime families. Like, that's what they always tell me. You do your time. You lay down, you do your time, you come back out, you'll be took care of. You'll get what's coming to you. Yeah, well, usually when they get released, they get killed, so... Mm. Most of the time. So... Here's where everything just kind of starts going down the shithole. Not that it's been going great this entire time. No, but it gets worse. (laughs) For him, at least. So, by 1982, the FBI was investigating the enormous number of missing and murdered persons who were linked to Demio or who had last been seen entering the Gemini Lounge. Around this time, an FBI bug in the home of Gambino family picked up a conversation between... Ruggiero and Jean Gotti, a brother of John Gotti. In the conversation, it discussed that Paul Castellano had put out a hit on DeMeo, but was having difficulty finding someone willing to do the job. Jean Gotti mentions that his brother John was wary of taking the contract, as DeMeo had a, quote, army of killers around him. According to mob turncoat Sammy Gravano, eventually the contract was given to Frank DeCici, DeCico? How do I get DeCici out of that? Frank DeCico, but DeCico and his crew could not get to Demio either. DeCico allegedly handed the job to Demio's own men. So who better to kill the only, you know, the big bad wolf than his own men who know exactly the ins and outs of everything? Yeah. So, DeMeo's son, Albert, wrote that in his final days, DeMeo was paranoid and knew he would be killed soon. 
DeMeo considered faking his own death by having his son shoot him and laying low. And on January 10, 1983, DeMeo went to crew member Patty Testa's house for a meeting with his men. That night, he failed to attend his daughter Dion's uh, birthday party, which caused his family to be suspicious. Ten days later, on January 20th, DeMeo's Cadillac was discovered in the parking lot of the Varuna Boat Club in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. The car was towed to a nearby police station where it was searched by organized crime control bureau detectives. DeMeo's partially frozen body was found in the trunk with a chandelier on top of it. He had been shot multiple times in the head and had a bullet wound in his hand, assumed by law enforcement to be a reflexive defensive wound caused when his killers opened fire on him. The task force investigating DeMeo, the DeMeo crew theorized that DeMeo was set up in a similar manner to how he set up Rosenberg and that Gaji, Testa, and Center were present when he was killed. In April 1984, Colombo crime family soldier Ralph Scopo was overheard explaining to an associate that DeMeo had been killed by his own family because they merely suspected that he would not be able to stand up to legal charges that resulted from his stolen car ring. Could you imagine? Like, you trust these men with your life. Girl. And just to be like, hey, yo, what's up? Bang, dead. That's how the mob be. That's why, like, as much as I might want Tiffany's or, like, an Audi or something like that, it ain't worth it. I mean... The life's not worth it. My question is, like, why didn't they dismember him and why did they freeze his body? Well, I mean, what was the. Uh, it was in April? I mean, it was in January. Uh, so, I mean, he could have been why. frozen in the back. It's cold, it's cold it, girl. He could have been just the car. Not like okay. sticking him in the freezer, like waiting to place Yeah, his, nah, he's probably just been left in the trunk since they killed him. And 10 days out in the cold? Yeah. Mm, that do yeah. it. Plus, your body goes colder anyway, and you start getting rigor mortis and everything. Mm. Mm, yeah. So, in 1984, a 78 count indictment was filed against 24 defendants, including the surviving members of the Mayo crew, Capo Nino Gaggi, and Gambino crime family head Paul Castellano. The charges are related to auto theft, racketeering, and drug trafficking. Paul Costolano was indicted for ordering the murder of DeMeo, as well as a host of other crimes, but was killed in December 1985 while out on bail in the middle of the first trial. The order, the little la, the murder was ordered by John Gotti, who thus became the new boss of the Gambino family. After the death of Costolano, Nino Gaggi became the lead defendant, but he too soon died later of natural causes. In March of 1986, six were found guilty with Henry Borelli, and other person found guilty of two accounts of murder. They were found guilty of murdering two people who threatened to expose the car theft ring. And in June 1989, nine additional members, including Anthony Center and Joseph Testa, were found guilty. At sentencing, Center and Testa were given life sentences for murder with an additional 20 years of racketeering. Prosecutor William Mack Jr. said, quote, the Roy... DBO crew is the most violent crew ever prosecuted in federal court, as far as my knowledge. And <clears throat> saying DeMeo engaged in wholesale slaughter. And a fun fact is that the Gemini Lounge later became a storefront church. <laughs> so, went from a wholesale slaughter to a church. 
I mean, okay. And bathed in blood, and now you're whole. The, uh, as far as I know, the Gambino family is still around to this day. Oh, of course. Of course. Now, whether or not there's anybody still included in, like, DeMeo's crew, I have no idea. But. Right. Hmm. Don't be messing around with them Italians if you can't. If you can't handle the heat. If you can't handle it, honey. Don't be going to Newark looking for no trouble. Or New York. Brooklyn. Or I don't know. Maybe if you're going to be in a mafia or something, yeah. like, obey the rules. Don't be going off doing your own thing, going crazy. I mean, that's it. Becoming a serial killer? That's what I'm saying. Like, most of these people, it's not like they just stumble across the mob and they get in. Like, they they are raised in this environment. Like, they know who you pay respect to. This uncle might not actually be your uncle, but it's your uncle because I say it's your uncle. Like, that whole thing. Like, I But, I mean, know. overall, I think that he had started out really strong. He did really good. But then it's like... He just went crazy. He got that taste for bad business of serial killing and went off the fucking deep end. And yeah. then put his hand in way too many fires and let's do this and let's do that. Oh, exactly. And I, this and that. And he just, yeah, went to shit for him. He was just, like I said, he was unmanageable. <clears throat> and I don't know what made them, I wouldn't have made him a made man. Just too much. Just too much. I still think it's really shitty that his own family killed him, though. <laughs> Watch The Sopranos. There's lots of people in The Sopranos that get killed. That's kind of like, that sucks that you're being killed. Just saying. Some of them, some of them really sad. Well, yeah. You get attached to the characters. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, don't be, don't be messing with no mobsters, because they'll kill you and throw you in the Hudson. Or just dismember your whole body and put you in a in a dump somewhere. Yeah. Don't become scattered body parts. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> That's too much. Anyways, we hope to be on schedule for another episode to be released next week on time. I uh, have not typed the notes up for that yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> it sounds like a plan. I have no idea who we're going to cover yet, but... As always, stay safe. Don't die. Bye. Later.